Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. <laughs> Anne said, that's church how we remember it. <laughs> Some of us do, don't we? Anyway, welcome to Q. I hope you're uh, all doing well and I apologise for the warmth in here tonight. We've had a new thermostat fitted and uh, sadly we, we messed up. So get your fans out, but just pretend you're in the Bahamas or something, all right. Anyway, so um, last week we ended on a high in the sense that we let go of those things that were getting in the way of our healing in the form of balloons. It was amazing when we, uh, we came in, they'd already fallen by Tuesday and if you want them back, they're behind there so you can always pick one up if you want other kids anyway so thanks everybody who gave very positive feedback because you felt that the evening uh, was very moving and helpful and uh, I trust you've seen a change in things for yourself this week because we don't want to just do stuff for the sake of it we want it to be meaningful and for there to be a lasting uh, change in, in your lives um, you know these things are symbolic um, and sometimes we say, well, you know, it, does it really matter? Um, and it wasn't the end of something, it was actually the beginning, as Danny put in the, the uh, what's on at the, be- at the beginning. Uh, this is about making a, uh, a symbolic gesture and then working on it in order to make it a reality uh, in our lives. And it's about uh, a willingness to engage in a different mentality Uh, in order that we may experience a very uh, different way of being. So I introduced a word last week, and it was the word autonomy. And uh, uh, I've changed it. He said, auto, no, my. And I've changed it to my automatic no. I I find that I can remember that better. So he talked about our automatic no. And uh, that's why we're following this week with what we're doing, uh, our saying yes to life. Because I came across this this week. Did you know that by the time you reach adulthood, you will have heard the word no repeated 50,000 times? In comparison, the word yes is heard only 7,000 times. Now get your head around that. That's amazing, isn't it? Is it any wonder that we struggle with self-criticism Uh, because it gets into our psyche, the word no, that's constantly said. So it becomes something that's automatically happening within us all of the time. Our formative years were exposed to no's, correctly so, because it dep- we, we, we depend on it for our survival. So it's incredibly important, but it embeds itself in our subconscious and then it becomes our automatic response to life. And that's not always a good thing because we play it safe rather than living our lives to the full. And so we need to break that survival mentality and advance towards empowering our thoughts to the yes rather than the no. So we're talking about 
what it means to say yes to life. Now, like we looked at that very funny clip at the beginning, we have no intention of shaking you until you say yes to everything. That would be ridiculous. And I've had to learn possibly the hard way that no was the word that I had to say more often. So no's are very good. But we can't have an automatic no, and that's what we're trying to encourage, that we'll actually uh, have an automatic, more of an automatic yes than an automatic no. We maybe need to swing the, the pendulum hard in order to initiate a genuine change from our caveman brain, which is survival no, to a more saying yes to life. So we can become so hung up with how we think life ought to be that we can miss the incredible opportunities that pre- present themselves every single day. And in fact, this morning something happened. Well, it wasn't this morning. It was in the very early hours of this morning. We'd already decided very much what we were doing tonight. And I came across something which just stirred my spirit. And I had to be willing to say that, yeah, okay, we've, pre- we've prepared certain things, but this is what we need to say t- today. And, you know, I just want you to understand that what we're asking you to do in the context of being willing to take opportunities that present themselves. We're not just asking you to do it, we're willing to lead by example. So we can be locked into an endless inner monologue of no, and we become paralysed and believe that the universe is conspiring against us rather than everything is actually working for our good. So our task is to surrender. Now, we talked about surrender a little bit last week. And surrender is not giving up on life. It's giving up the fight with life. And I know some of you are fighting with life so much that you are extremely exhausted. And we'd like that to be lifted from you. Following what we did last week, we want it to be something that can be a continual experience. So we want the fight with life to stop. And we want you to know that life is working for you and for you to work with it. Now here's the thing, why, why do we say no all the time and why, why would we say yes to that which we don't like? Because that's often the issue, isn't it? We think that no is a reasonable thing to say in these circumstances. And it's because of this, no's shut down, but uh, yeses open up more options. What we do when we say no all the time, there's nowhere to go. And all we do is strengthen those negative emotions that are working within us. So the yes of surrender is our arms wide open to sometimes include the unincludable. That's quite a big thing to say. But yes is the ultimate tool for power and for action. Yes is the key to joy because we stop the fight and stop resisting that which we cannot control. So today our recipe for success is a posture of heart. We open up our hearts to whatever shows up because fixed ideas can blind our receptivity. And when we are visited by the white feather of opportunity, we don't know how to receive it. We brush it off rather than picking it up and seeing what it has to show us. So for some of us, saying yes to life is like defying gravity. But like like drinking Dr. Pepper, what is the worst that can happen? We invite you tonight to say yes to life.
So it falls to me to try and tie the, the ends together. There's, a, um, <clears throat> there's an account in the Old Testament of the Bible <clears throat> of one of the patriarchs called Jacob, who uh, he was the father of Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. And um, you would have thought because Jacob was, in biblical terms, next in line for the good stuff, in that he was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, that his life would just look like this perfect thing with no challenges and no difficulties. But if you read the story of those guys, you'll find that it's much like yours, and it's much like mine. And stuff happened, and um, this little story of Jacob that's always stuck with me is um, he, he was not having a good time of it. He was now gotten a, a few years on his back, and what had happened was Joseph, is the son that he loved the best, had disappeared. His brothers had actually kidnapped him and sold him into slavery because they were jealous of what dad thought of his son and so he he became the victim of that jealousy and uh, his dad never saw him for decades and then uh, lo and behold dad's going along and then there's this huge famine that hits the whole area and so here's this man of God you know special person nothing should ever go wrong in my life in the middle of a famine can't feed his family can't feed himself can't feed his cattle And the only place to find food is down in Egypt, which is a hostile place. But he decides he has to send his boys to Egypt, to this hostile place, to try and beg for some or buy some food so that they can just survive. And so his boys go down. Little did his boys realize that the brother that they'd sold because of their jealousy was now heading up the show in Egypt. And they didn't know that it was their brother. So... Their brother knew that they didn't know, and so their brother, though, had a scheme because he desperately wanted to see his young brother again. His brother Benjamin was from the same mother. And so he devised the scheme and said, "Um, you know, you've come to trick me. You've come as spies. Uh, And to prove you're not spies, you go back to your father, and you've said you've got a younger brother. You bring him back to me, and if you bring that young brother, I'll believe you're not spies, and I'll help you. But before you do that, you have to leave one of your brothers, Simeon, as a hostage in Egypt before you go back to make sure you'll come back. And so he sent them away, keeping one son as hostage, and then he also put the silver back in their sacks that they'd taken to pay for the provisions. So, of course, when they got home, they were just distraught because they found the silver was still in their sacks and that um, Simeon had been left behind and they thought, this is disaster. He's going to send people after us. They're going to arrest us. We're going to be taken back. We'll all be killed for stealing from the, 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 the prime minister of Egypt. And of course, when they told this story to dad, he was, he was, you know, it was not his best day, to say the least. So here he is, man of God, you know, sure of an existence of God, sure of God's part in his life, but this was not his best day. And they said, dad, we have to take Benjamin back. Well, Benjamin was the youngest boy and it was the one, if dad was not to let anything go, Benjamin was the one thing, please don't ask me for Benjamin. He makes me remember Joseph and he makes me remember everything that was good. But they said he'd have to go. And this was Jacob's reply. Their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more. 
and Simeon, who was held hostage, is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Here's what he said. Everything is against me. No one asks you a question. How many times verbally, mentally, emotionally, personally, have you either said or felt, everything is against me? How do I get out? Where, where is salvation in this? How can this possibly be happening? And seen as it's happening, how could there ever be an answer? Everything is against me. Now, what Jacob didn't realize is that he was on the brink of the greatest miracle in his life. Something could happen and would happen, but just like the feather, it was all going to depend how he responded to the moment of despair, whether he stayed in the everything is against me or whether he could perceive that something might be beyond this and something might be within this, that if I embrace this and go with this, this actually could be the day of my miracle, it could be the day of my change. So he finished up sending them back with Benjamin. Joseph gave the game away, he fell on them, he loved them, he kissed them, he sent them back to bring his dad. And then just a few weeks later, Jacob was no longer in famine, no longer in loss, no longer without his boys, but he was with all his boys in the land of Egypt in a place of plenty, granted the best part of the land by the Pharaoh because the boy was there before them. But all of that in Jacob's eyes at one point felt like everything is against me. I need to tell you that there are times in our life when we will feel everything is against me. But that is the moment when salvation works best. But salvation works when we respond in the correct way. Here's what it said about Forrest in that wonderful video. He's receptive. He's present. He listens and he responds by taking initiative. So often when we feel it's our darkest day, we stop being receptive, we stop being present, we stop listening, and we stop responding by taking initiative. So we take the very opposite steps to the steps that are the steps of salvation that we need to take. So stop being hung up on preconceptions and instead be ready to receive. You see, the great barrier is our preconceptions. Our preconceptions will never work for me. It'll never be different. Okay, if I say yes, if I respond, nothing's going to change. And so our very preconceptions create misconceptions, particularly when it comes to God and spirituality. And so because of those preconceptions, we are not ready to receive. You have to be ready to receive if you're going to say yes to life, because it's in receiving then that the change will come. I love what it says about Forrest. This will become not just a resident virtue, but also a recipe for success. When we learn to be receptive, be present, to listen and respond by taking initiative, it becomes a recipe for success. This way you can both appreciate what you already have and more effectively seize upon opportunities as they present themselves. You see, the beginning of this begins at the place where you become appreciative of what you already have. It may not be perfect. It may have flaws. But you have something. You have you. You have life. You have friends. You have family. 
The, the end has not come. Disaster might have struck you, might have said, everything is against me. But when you come to the point where you appreciate what you already have, and more effectively then, you can seize upon the opportunities that present themselves for your salvation. This will become not just a resident virtue, but also a recipe for success. Proving the power of seeking a goal out of love rather than for self-serving reasons. Auto, no, me. See, when, I, when, I, when, when we seek with the goal of love, even love for ourselves and love for what God has done and love for the fact that we're here and love for everything that we've got, because I tell you something, we're all blessed beyond measure when we begin to look at what it is that we have and when we begin to see that and say, thank you for what I have, but then we're willing... We're willing to be receptive, present, listen and respond. That's when things move on because if the goal is love rather than self-serving, then there's a power in that that brings us to the place of success. It's crucial to make the most of whatever you're given. This is so important. Forrest Mum says, you have to do the best with what God gave you. And most often we don't do the best with what God gave us. We despise what God gave us. We start to make what God gave us a problem instead of a blessing. And so then we can't move on. But we have to be at the place where, first of all, we make the most of whatever we're given. And I love that because it says, since Forrest does this, he's rewarded many times over. The wonderful thing is, if we will embrace where we are, and that we could be on the brink of our greatest miracle, like Forrest, we can see something that then will make us rewarded many times over, but we have to start at the right place of salvation, the gratefulness, and then the receptive, the present, the listening, the responding. I love one of the phrases he made there. When he was looking out over the lake, he said, I couldn't see where earth stopped and heaven began. The whole purpose for me as trying to teach you this way is I want you all to come to a place where you can't see where earth stops and heaven begins. You haven't truly found salvation. You haven't truly come anywhere near what Christ was about until you reach the point where you can't see where earth stopped and heaven began. Now for some of you, you think, how can that be? But Forrest had to get out of his circumstance. He had to get out of his situation. He had to get out of his preconceptions to a place where he was willing in there to be receptive and to be present and to listen and respond. And then he began to see that there is a place where you can't see where her stops and heaven begins. That's our point. So are you willing to be receptive? Are you willing to be present? Are you willing to listen to what you're being told? Are you willing to respond? Are you willing to take a step? And that step be yes, because you may be on the brink of your greatest miracle. But it comes not from where you could be, but it comes from starting where you are. And that is salvation. I love the whole Bible story that in order to try and get this through to us, God in heaven became flesh in the form of Jesus so that he could say you had to start where you are. 
And what we miss is that Jesus' life was a life that faced all of these challenges that seemed that everything is against me, but because he responded, because he listened, because he was aware, because he watched, he received what was coming in. And what that produces is the story that we know as the story of salvation, which ultimately is the one that leads us from death to life. That's the whole message that we have for you. I want you to come from the death of the frustration of everything is against me to the wonder of the joy of the life of the salvation that actually says, no, everything is for me. My greatest miracle can be released this very moment as I respond. And how do we respond? We look at all of our life and we say, okay, life, here's my answer to you. Yes. I'm saying yes. Let me finish with this. Too much of religion presents a God who is always no. No, you're not good enough. No, you're not acceptable. No, you're not holy. No, you don't live right. No, you're not acceptable. And the only yes comes by partisan through, oh, but God said yes to Jesus so I can sneak in. And so we never in our own lives see a God who looks at us and says, yes, yes, yes. And when we respond to his yes, which is what he has promised, with our covenant yes, that's when our miracle can begin. Will you say yes tonight? Will you say yes to God? You know, he talked about Forrest and, and Lieutenant Dan. One saw an anthropomorphic expression. Lieutenant Dan needed a somebody. Gump didn't need a somebody. He just knew a something was working for him with the feather blowing through his life. But for each one, it was an issue of responding and saying yes to God. Will you say yes? Will you respond? Just bow your heads just for one moment. Decisions are important, and decisions in moments are important. Coming back to my friend Jacob, he could have said, no, I'm not risking Benjamin. No, I'm not risking sending you back. No, let's just cut our losses and accept things as they are, but he didn't. He said, I accept things as they are and what is necessary and so instead of saying no, he said yes. And because he said yes, it changed everything. Will you say yes? Just in your heart, in your spirit, in the deepest part of you. He's saying yes to God in the middle of the circumstances. Despite everything, saying yes. I believe that yes is the currency that begins to allow salvation to touch our lives to where we then lose the definition between what is heaven and what is earth. And that's true salvation. And if you'll truly say yes tonight, I believe when you look at your horizon, you won't be able to tell where earth ends and heaven begins. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q 
on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.